Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old sports talk, get out! You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show. This show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. The guy's an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see all of you here with us for a beautiful studios here in Chicago land. John Meadows is directing and producing. We're live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook, and we have a huge guest hanging here with us tonight. Good friend of the program, senior fantasy football writer over at CBS Sports and a contributor to Fantasy Football Today. Please welcome Dave Richard, the program. Dave, it is great to see you. How are you? Uh, I'm great, John. It's great to talk with you. I, I was thinking just before I came on the air about how how long we go back. And I, I think it's pre-pandemic uh, how long we've gone back. You can correct me if I'm wrong. You're you're smarter than I am, so you <laughs> would know for sure. But I, I remember you as, as a wee tot in college. And now here you are doing this show still, still chasing your dream. I love to see it. I, I, I pay attention to what you do on social media. Uh, recently reached out to you and Mike North when uh, when Pappy was on talking with you about Chicago sports. Um, my North holds a, a, a dear place in my heart. I'm a fellow Chicagoan. I don't know if everybody knows that that's watching, but I, I was listening to the score when they were on 820 and then at 1160. And of course, now they're at 670 and, and they were a huge influence in my life, just as I know that they were a huge influence in your life, John. Uh, I'm giving you a very long, rambling answer to your question. I could have just said, I'm good. How are you? But I get excited when we talk about uh, about football in Chicago and everything that comes along with it. So you're getting the long ass winded answer. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it. You're certainly dressed for the occasion. I love the jersey. No one is dressed according to the occasion yet on this program. You're the first one to do it. And then the weird thing about it is uh, I've I've made my hay as a fantasy football guy. And I'm I'm not a Bears fan. I grew up in Chicago, but I kind of gave up being a Bears fan. Uh, I can't remember the last time I watched four quarters of a Bulls game. I can't remember the last time I watched three quarters of a Blackhawks game. Uh, (laughs) Certainly, the only time I watch Northwestern football or the U of I is when I'm scouting it for, for my job. But John, oh, John, am, am I a biased, uh, passionate Chicago White Sox fan? I'm a South Sider, been a White Sox fan really since I was a teenager. Um, and I just I, I, I use the White Sox as a, as an outlet for me to be a total biased fan. Okay, I don't have to report on any baseball (laughs) as part of my job. I am football 365 days a year. I'm allowed to be biased. I'm allowed to look through the rose-colored glasses. I'm allowed to say that uh, Pedro G is going to be the man for the the White Sox and our manager. and, and I don't hate the Cubs either. I like I, I'm not a Cubs fan. I don't own a jersey or a hat or anything like that of the Cubs, but I don't hate them. I, I'm just I'm just a glorious 
um, ignorant Chicago <laughs> White Sox fan who who thinks that they're going to win the World Series every year, and then every year I, I get disappointed, except for 2005. And where's their ring? Here's their ring right back here. John, I'd be remiss if I didn't show you my White Sox World Series ring. Uh, don't ask if it's real. I was just going to say, how did you get a World Series ring from the White Sox? No, I, I, they gave these away to fans. Okay. okay. So I got one of those. <laughs> but someday, someday, you know, you know, some poor White Sox exec will sell their World Series ring. Maybe they'll <laughs> pass away and their family will do it. And I'll be the sap that buys it. I'm a crazy White Sox fan. I absolutely love them. Where do you think they're going this year? I mean, World Series are bust oh, I mean, every year. They're going to win opinion, the World right? Series twice this year. That's how good they are. <laughs> okay, if I'm being realistic, I'm I'm just hoping that they they win the division. Um, sure. I, I I think that uh, this this is how dumb of a fan I am. Is it Griffal? Griffal? Pedro Griffal? Griffal. Uh, like I don't even know how to pronounce his name, John. <laughs> Coach me up on this. <laughs> it's Griffal. Pedro Griffal. Yeah. Okay. So uh-huh. I was in the ballpark. Okay. <laughs> I think he's absolutely perfect for for what the team needs. Uh, I was not a fan of the Larusa hire. I was one of the few that wasn't. Okay, I know that everybody in Chicago really embraced Tony Larusa <laughs> as the next you know great manager of the White Sox. It's a shockeroo that it didn't <laughs> come through, John. Um, but I, I think Pedro will will absolutely. Uh, you know, get along with the players. I think the players will be happy. Uh, I, I'm always a fan of pitching. I think the rotation will be good. I hope the bullpen will be good. I've been told by a little birdie to watch out for Garrett Crochet. I'm excited about that. I'm hoping that Liam Hendricks comes through and he ends up playing. I know that he's starting to get into some baseball activities. Really, it's just going to come down to how healthy they are this year. And if, uh, if Luis, Robert, and, and uh, Eloy stay healthy, then I, I think that they'll have a chance to compete. And that's all I can ask for because I pay attention to every game. I watch every game uh, down here in Florida. And I, all I want is, you know, the World Series every year. Now that we've won one in 2005, I want to just keep <laughs> winning more and more and more. And I, I, I think the window is still open. I don't think that they're ready to start doing this whole rebuilding process again. I saw that Oscar Colas left uh, the their game today and then came back. So crisis averted there. I, I think they've got a good young team and I think they could make some noise. Dave Richard here with us on sports talk, Chicago from CBS sports. Good friend of this program. Dave, one of the bears going to be in the super bowl. How about we go there? Let's talk to the diehard bears fan. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I, I am encouraged by the moves that they've made this year. Now, remember I'm not a diehard bears fan. I'm not even a, uh, in a live soft Bears fan, what's the opposite of a diehard fan? I'm not, I'm not a casual. Uh, I, I gave up my Bears fandom more than a decade ago, so I can look at this objectively for you, John. And they they clearly made the decision that Justin Fields is their quarterback for this year. I don't know if that was the best decision, but my hunch is they're going to go with Justin Fields for this year. And if he makes improvements and they're clearly doing what they can to improve Justin Fields situation, then they will let him be their franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future. If he has another bad year, well, they've got two first round draft picks and they can be in position to draft somebody like Caleb Williams in the 2024 draft. So I think Ryan Poles 
made some smart moves. I think they absolutely hosed the Panthers on the number one overall pick. I think they did a great job not only asking for a first, but also getting DJ Moore out of the deal. I think he will help to a degree. I don't see him necessarily being a, a megastar wide receiver. Will he help to the same degree that Stefan Diggs helped Josh Allen or that A.J. Brown helped Jalen Hurts? I'm going to say no on that. I don't think he will help quite to that degree, but he will help to some degree. He will be obviously somebody who – uh, Justin Fields will lean on. I've got some data, happy to share it with you. Uh, that makes me a little bit nervous, for example, about taking DJ Moore in fantasy football. As for the defense, I think they've got a lot of work to do. I still don't know where the pass rush is going to come from. thought it was strange. Uh, I don't know if strange is the right word. But moving on from Roquan and then signing Tremaine Edmonds to the deal that they gave him, Edmonds is a better fit for the defense. I, I, I will agree to that and a better fit for that defense than what Roquan would have been. But they would have found a way to fit Roquan into that defense in, in some way, shape or form. Um, hated the Claypool trade, but they've got him now. And that's going to be a guy that they can use as a mismatch. So so long as he's healthy and available, uh, they're moving in the right direction. Um, I, I think Bears fans should be encouraged by what Ryan Poles has done. And we'll see what happens. You know, they're, they're, I, I would imagine at nine, unless Tyree Wilson or Jalen Carter falls to them, they're taking an offensive lineman. And whether it's Paris Johnson or, or Skaronsky from Northwestern, uh, I, I think that they'll end up being okay. And, and that offense will get better. And we'll see. Fields just has to be a better thrower. It's as simple as that. If he's a better thrower, completes a higher percentage of passes outside of the red zone, We'll see this Bears offense be pretty good. And as you know, if you stack up the quarterbacks in the AFC versus the quarterbacks in the NFC, the quarterbacks in the NFC look very, very mediocre compared to the AFC. But that's a good thing for the Bears because that makes their path to making the playoffs and winning in the playoffs a lot easier with a guy like Justin Fields compared to, you know, like what Tampa Bay has, for example, with <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Um or what, even with what Green Bay has with Jordan Love. I think Love has some potential. I, I, we saw it in college, but, you know, that was a long time ago when he showed that potential. And we don't know what exactly he will be for the Packers moving forward. Let me ask you this, Dave. You talked about Justin Fields and his need to improve for this coming season. If he doesn't, do you think Ryan Poles purposefully has an insurance policy yeah. in which he could draft a quarterback next year with that first overall pick they got in the trade? Well, I, I, we don't know if the pick that they got in the trade will be a first overall pick, John, but Carolina probably is not going to be a, a contender for anything more. They, they might win their division. It's a soft division. As soft as the NFC North is, the NFC South is even softer. So Carolina could compete for that. I expect Carolina to draft C.J. Stroud. I think that he's the best quarterback in this draft. I think he's a better thrower than Justin Fields, too. Uh, as far as a playmaker goes, I think it's really close between the two of them because Justin just can do so much with his legs. And I'm not ready to say that he's a bad passer. I want to see what happens now with D.J. Moore there and an offensive line that Justin can trust a little bit more. So maybe he can close that gap between him and, and C.J. Stroud. But I'm a big C.J. Stroud fan. And I think if, if he ends up going to Carolina, and even if it's Bryce Young, but I like Stroud, uh, I, I think that they can compete for their division. 
And if they're competing for their division, that means that they could potentially make the playoffs, and that makes the Panthers' first-round pick a little bit worse. But let's say I'm wrong about C.J. Stroud, or they draft Anthony Richardson, who I just don't think is ready for the NFL. Well, now we're talking about Carolina's pick being pretty juicy. And if their pick is in the top 10 and the Bears don't have a great year because Justin doesn't turn the corner, their pick will be in the top 10, theoretically. Now the Bears have two top 10 picks that they could use and try and package maybe with a future one to go and get Caleb Williams. I think that's the plan. I think that was their decision. They probably looked at Stroud and Young and said, these guys are good throwers, but they're not complete playmakers. They're not great for today's NFL because they're too much of you know a pocket passer. Or maybe they move around a little bit, but they're not running all over the place. Justin gives Chicago just this unreal dynamic that very few teams have, John, where he can go and run with the ball. You saw it last year. I think they're going to continue to utilize that. I think Justin's going to continue to utilize that. That's a strength that he knows he has, and he's going to use it. That makes the Bears a difficult team to cover when they're on offense. That's a good thing. Um but if he stinks as a passer and they win only five games, the Bears can afford at that point to go in a different direction. So I think Ryan Poles is kind of covering his bases a little bit, whereas it let's just say this job. Let's say that he said, all right, um, we're done with the Justin Fields experiment. We know that we can start the rookie quarterback contract clock over with C.J. Stroud. Let's trade Justin Fields. Maybe we can get a first round pick for him and then we'll just draft C.J. Stroud. Well, is Stroud that same type of playmaker? And if you're wrong on C.J. Stroud, uh, Ryan Poles might get fired. And that means he's got the job for only, you know, what would it be, three, four years instead of five or six years, something like that. So I, I think it's in his best interest to kind of kick the can at least a year on Justin, give Justin the chance to go in and play well in 2023. And if he does, great. Bears have their franchise quarterback. If he doesn't, great. The Bears have two first-round picks they can use and go and find their next great franchise quarterback. I think it was a shrewd decision. Uh, I don't think I don't think CJ Stroud is quite in that same echelon as Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, or Andrew Luck to be that type of transcendent franchise quarterback. I don't think he's quite that good. Can Caleb Williams be that good? Yeah, maybe. Can Justin Fields be that good? I can't say no to that, John. I think maybe he can. How do you plan on judging him this season? What do you plan on looking for in regards to improvement in his passing game? This is simple. His 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 numbers have to go up, but his numbers have to go up outside of the red zone. And this is where I'm glad I've got my laptop nearby because I've already done the research on this. And I'm, I'm basically going to recite numbers to you about what I think is going to happen. Although now the stupid page isn't loading where I have the information. That's embarrassing. Here's the skinny of it, John. Let, let's give some props to Luke Getze because the number one quarterback in terms of red zone completion rate and red zone touchdown rate last year in the National Football League was Justin Fields. Did you know that? I did not know that. I'm learning something new right now. Completed two-thirds <laughs> of his passes in the red zone. 22 of 33 passes completed in the red zone. 12 of those 22 complete. I don't even need my stupid computer for this, John. 12 of those 22 completions were touchdowns. It wasn't because Justin Fields dropped back in the pocket and scanned the field and made the correct read out of two or three reads. He was schemed up, man, and it worked out great. He leaned on his tight ends. He leaned on his running backs. Those guys had about half of the 33 targets, which is kind of a problem for DJ Moore when you think about it. But 
they did a good job of putting Justin in situations where he could throw a touchdown. And that's something that it's easy to build on because if, if they can continue to scheme up outside of the red zone, then hopefully he'll be better. Or I'm sorry, if they can continue to scheme up inside the red zone, hopefully he can be better outside of the red zone. And that's what I think DJ Moore is there for. I think he's there to help make Justin Fields a better passer outside of the red zone. Because let's face it, if I'm the defensive coordinator and you're a defensive coordinator and we're getting ready to play the Bears and we know when they get inside the 20 that DJ Moore's on the team, are we really going to focus our attention on Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool? I don't think so. We're going to be looking at DJ Moore. And so DJ Moore drawing double teams in the red zone, just like he did in Carolina, it's going to open up other guys. And I think that's going to work out for Chicago. But outside of the red zone, this is where Justin Fields struggled. His completion rate was terrible. This is where I wish I had my notes working for me on my computer and we'd be good to go. But he, his touchdown rate was terrible. Completion rate was terrible. Uh, interception rate was high. He was a mess outside of the red zone. This is, I, I think you could look at DJ Moore and say, okay, on those 10 to 15-yard throws, that's where Justin Fields is going to go. And then you're going to hope that DJ Moore can connect on those passes and then make plays after the catch. He did that at times in Carolina. He didn't do it consistently. His catch rate was a little disappointing, honestly. It was below 60% each of the past three years. For a good number one receiver, you want that catch rate to be north of 65%. It was below 60 That's a problem, John. So hopefully that's something that they can rectify this year and that DJ Moore can be the guy that helps move the chains for the Chicago Bears through the air, helps make Justin a better passer. I would look at that type of number for Justin, just overall completion rate, but certainly outside of the red zone. Is he, is he maintaining drives with his arm instead of his leg? And then the other thing I would look for is that continued success in the red zone. That's going to be a, a Justin Fields deal, but it's also going to be a Luke Getze deal. And so uh, we'll, we'll see how that turns out. I'd like to think that it, it can be something that works out for Chicago, but we're going to have to wait to see. Adding to the, to the I don't want to say confusion of it all, but like the, it, adding another wrinkle to it is Montgomery not being there. Um, have they effectively replaced Montgomery with Khalil Herbert and then Deontay Foreman will work behind him? and they'll have a thunder and lightning combo. I think that's their plan. I do think Herbert's a great fit for them, but it's going to be interesting to see how that run game actually works out if it is just Herbert and Foreman. And then if it doesn't work out, that's just more pressure on Justin Fields. It's going to be a very interesting year, but the, the way to judge Justin is going to be, is he a better passer? Are his metrics better? And does it lead to more wins? And, and that's the last point that I would make, is that there were a number of games last year where Justin had the ball in the fourth quarter and he just could not win the game for Chicago. And they ended up with a number one pick because of it. So they, they've got to do better there. Justin's got to lead them to some fourth quarter comebacks. And if they do that, then I think it'll be a slam dunk that they'll keep Justin Fields. How do you explain his completion issues last season? Was it Fields' fault? Was it a faulty O-line? Was it lack of wide receivers or kind of everything put together? Here's a, here's a stat that's going to make you puke. Um, uh -oh. One out of every six throws that he made was off target. One wow. out of six. So imagine we're, we're ordering pizza for the fellas, and the pizza comes, and it's cut into six slices. We got some hot Giordano's, you know what I'm saying? The stuffed and then, you know, the cheese pull and the delicious sausage that they have. And five of the six slices are perfect, and one of the slices has rat poison on it. 
<laughs> no one's going to eat the rat poison sauce. But that's what it that's what it was for Justin Fields last year. One out of every six throws, sixteen percent of his throws were off target. Dude, it's really hard to be a great quarterback when you're off target on your throws. And so that it's it's as simple as that. He's got to be more accurate with his passing. And if he does that, then everything will be roses, and and he'll be a much better quarterback for him. Um, do, do do I do I fault the Bears for not having great receivers around him? Listen, man, if you're, if one out of every six throws you're making is bad, it's you could have Jerry Rice and Calvin Johnson and Randy Moss at wide receiver. Uh, I'm going to take that back. If those guys are your wide receivers, you'll be able to make it through on five out of six throws. But if you've got one of those guys with Darnell Mooney and Equinemius St. Brown, it's going to be a problem. So he needs to be more accurate. DJ's a, a certainly an upgrade at wide receiver. Let's see what else they do, if they do anything at all. And yeah, having Darnell Mooney back and healthy, that's going to help too. I mean, we can't sit here and say that Darnell Mooney is a, is a mediocre receiver. He's got good speed. Uh, I wish his hands were a little bit bigger, but he's overcome that so far in his career. And and there's certainly upside for Chase Claypool. And I, I would give the benefit of the doubt to Getze to use Claypool even more in his second season as a Bear. What do you think the Bears' offensive fantasy outlook could be like? Sure. Uh, Fields is going to be the first guy off the Well, I say that Fields is going to be the first guy off the board, but I wonder in full PPR leagues if DJ Moore ends up going before him. Okay. And I, I did a whole breakdown on CBS Sports of of what to expect from DJ Moore. Okay. I talked about how his catch rate hasn't been great for the past three years. I talked about Chicago really didn't throw that much in 2022. Uh, I expect it to go up. I talked about fields and how great he is in the red zone, but terrible outside of the red zone. These are all factors that are going to play into to, to DJ Moore this year. I still don't expect the Bears to throw more than like 27, 28 attempts per game. I don't think they're going to just completely unload Justin and say, go out there and, you know, play like Patrick Mahomes, man. I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think he'll average over 30 attempts per game. But if he does, and if DJ Moore catches 60% of his targets each week and he gets a 25% target share, these are all the qualifiers, uh, he gets over 1,100 yards barely. Maybe he can match the seven touchdowns that he had last year because he can still score from outside of the red zone. And he can get you close to 80 catches. So 80 catches, 1,100 yards, and seven touchdowns, it's not bad. That's a, that's a number two receiver in fantasy football. I'd draft him toward the bottom of that list. You're probably looking at like round four or five for DJ Moore, whether it's PPR or not in fantasy football. Justin's got all the upside in the world. He could be the number one quarterback in fantasy if he improves as a passer and he runs like Lamar Jackson. If he does something like that, now we're talking about an MVP type season for Justin Fields. He would be absolutely worth a pick in round four or five in that regard. So it's going to be close between Moore and Fields where they will go in fantasy drafts this year. Khalil Herbert's going to be a popular guy if he is the 1A running back in Chicago. Figure he'll be around six or seven pick in fantasy drafts. Foreman will probably be around nine or ten pick. I think fantasy managers are done thinking about Deontay Foreman as one of these guys who uh, is coming back from an Achilles and he's slow. Uh, I, I think he proved in Carolina last year that he's actually got some mojo back. And I think that that was a good buy for the Bears as far as um, inexpensive running backs go. He could end up being a good value in that round. Um, what did I say? Nine to ten? Maybe it's going to be closer to eight, nine for Deontay Foreman as, as a good bench fantasy running back. 
I, I, I would take Cole Komet as like a, a, a tight end that I would begin the season with. Um, I think his, his genesis is, can he catch a touchdown? And we know that he'll get schemed up at times to go ahead and get those touchdowns. Will he be great at it? I don't know. I don't know if he'll be amazing. And, and at best, he'll be second on the team in targets, but he'll probably be closer to third or fourth because of Mooney being back. Um, Mooney and Claypool will get drafted, but they're going to be late-round picks, just like Cole Komet. No one in their right mind would take the Bears' defense whatsoever <laughs> in fantasy drafts. So, so I think you're looking at DJ Moore or Justin Fields as the first bear off the board and the second bear off the board. Herbert will be third. And then Foreman will probably, Foreman's going to go before Mooney and Cole Komet. Though so the one question you always have to ask yourself when you draft a player, John, is why? Why am I drafting this guy? Okay. Am I drafting Darnell Mooney because I think he's going to overtake DJ Moore and be the number one receiver in Chicago and have the breakout year that we thought he might have been able to do in 2022 or 2021? I think it's far-fetched. I think he's going to be a tremendous role player for Chicago who might get around five targets per game and probably one out of every three or four games can be pretty good for Darnell Mooney. But I don't see him as a, as a massive fantasy contributor. And so my why for drafting Darnell Mooney would be, well, he's going to be a receiver on my bench who's got limited upside. And I can find those guys like crazy in the double-digit rounds. So I'm not going to go and make an effort to get Darnell Mooney on my fantasy squad compared to somebody like Foreman, who if Khalil Herbert doesn't work out, maybe Khalil misses some time. Hello, Deontay Foreman is going to be at the forefront of the Bears' run game, and he should be able to do well with it. I'd rather have that guy on my bench rather than Darnell Mooney. What's your overall expectation for the Bears this year, assuming that Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone and this division is probably going to be wide open? I'm a big Lions fan. Okay. As for, not not like in life, you know, I'm no, not wearing their right. jersey or anything like that. But I think that their franchise is finally moving in the right direction. Now, the Lions might lie in and, and they might end up going seven and ten. But I, I really like what they're doing and what they're building toward. Uh, they're going to pick before the Bears now in the draft. And I think they've got the same defensive needs as the Bears have, especially now that they've gone and added some help in the secondary. I think they could win the division. I think they can take it away from Minnesota. I could see the Vikings maybe taking a step back from last year. I think they got a little lucky last year. They won a lot of close games. And I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know what to make of Jordan Love yet. But if he goes through training camp and the reports are really good out of Green Bay, and it wouldn't surprise me if they were, uh, the Packers will be right back in the thick of things. Go ahead and put me down as the Lions winning the division. I, I just don't see the Bears finishing even second in the division. I just don't. It'll be either Minnesota or Green Bay. But I think the Bears could finish third. I don't think that they're necessarily the last team in the division. But they're going to need some time to really rebuild that defense. Uh, their, their pass rush is a, is a humongous question mark. And if they're in a division, especially now with the quarterbacks being what they are in the NFC North, um, they're going to get steamrolled because uh, Jared Goff, when he's got time, he's very good. Uh, Jordan Love, if he's got time, he's going to make plays. He'll run with the ball, too, like Justin Fields. And Kirk Cousins has proven that when he's got time to throw, he can be very good. So I'm, I'm nervous about the Bears finishing any higher than third in the division this year. But if they do a good job, you know, what, what would work out great for them is if Justin takes a step forward as a passer, and then they can use their first-round pick next year and Carolina's first-round pick next year to add to that defense. 
well, now we're talking. Now that team could really start to have that window open starting in 2024. I think that's what Bears fans have to think about. So you don't think this is going to be a one-year rebuild? You're more so focused on 2024 for the Bears to really break out. The best-case scenario is 2024, John. The worst-case scenario is Justin doesn't work out, and now they've got to spend that that draft capital that they've acquired to draft another quarterback, presumably Caleb Williams out of USC. Right. And then that, that just resets all the clocks again. And then they're not using those draft picks to add great defensive talent. Where, where, where I'd really like to see how Ryan Poles does is what does he choose with the non first round picks this year? Okay. Now, listen, the Jack Sanborn, getting him on the team, that's great. All the secondary help that they drafted last year, I, I think they nailed it. I think the guys that they added in the draft were good. And, and you know, we, we talk about it from time to time about how uh, when you've got experience in a bad year, it, it gets paid forward because your team is more competitive the following year. And I think the secondary should show that next year in Chicago, but your secondary is only as good as your pass rush. It's a philosophy that I have. You can only cover a wide receiver tightly for about three or four seconds max. And if you can't get to the quarterback, that quarterback's going to have four or five seconds to make the throw downfield. So you could have Darrell Revis in that backfield. Your wide receiver can still find a way to get open and make a play. Ryan Poles is going to have to nail it in the draft after round one this year. He's going to have to find another great undrafted free agent. If he does that and he just continues to collect talent on that defense, especially on the front line, then we can talk about maybe that, that, that big push in 2024. Um, but, but I think the best case scenario is they're competitive in 2024. The worst case could be 2025 uh, with, with a lot of rebuilding, including a quarterback. Dave Richard here on Sports Talk Chicago. Dave, wanted to go national for a second. I know you'd mentioned this earlier, but who is your top guy for Carolina with that number one overall pick? I know there have been many rumors circulating about who they could take at QB. I, I graded Stroud and Young very closely to each other. They, okay. are, both, they are both just excellent passers. I, I think they're both better throwers than Justin Fields right now. So the difference between Fields and those guys is that Fields can make plays with his legs. Uh, Bryce Young certainly has a little bit more mobility than C.J. Stroud, but Stroud can move too. He just really wasn't asked to do that at Ohio State. We'll see what he does there. Um, I, I think both Stroud and Young are lean. You look at their bodies, and they don't look like your prototypical NFL quarterback. They're, they are very, they're, they're very lean, both of them. And in the case of Bryce Young, everybody knows this, he's short. So I, to me, the difference between Young and Stroud is simply Stroud's taller. And Stroud, Stroud I, I kind of like the fact that he's fought through everything in his life. He's come from a, a lot of problems uh, in his youth. Um, but he, he, he never went and worked with personal private quarterback coaches, uh, he he wasn't handed big time jobs at his high school or in college. He really like he went on YouTube to really learn the nuances of the game while his mom struggled to keep his family afloat. His dad went to prison and I, I I'm, I'm encouraged by that. I think that mindset makes him a tougher and hungrier type of quarterback. So he's got the height factor a little bit bigger 
than Bryce Young. Um, tough upbringing, but not tough in the way where it's going to be uh, a negative form. It's a positive form. And they're both accurate with the football. And then they both just absolutely, you know, slice and dice defense as we saw it. Um, you could say that C.J. Stroud threw to a much better receiving core than Bryce Young did. Um, but to me, it doesn't matter. Stroud was just making some outstanding plays all the way through. Um, both in high school and in college. So I'm a little bit more impressed with him, and I think he's the safer prospect between the two of them. And so if I'm Carolina, and we know that Frank Reich is kind of, uh, you know, gravitated toward taller, bigger running backs anyway, uh, I, I think he makes sense for them. And I think Bryce Young makes sense for Houston. Houston's going to run an offense that's exactly like San Francisco's. So they want their quarterback to move out of the pocket. They don't need a quarterback who's six foot five. Um, and, and, and Bryce Young's arm is just as strong as CJ Stroud's. So he'll be able to make plays for Houston in that scheme that, that, that'll work out fine. I think if, if it works out that way with Stroud's in Carolina, he'll be good. And I think if Bryce Young goes to Houston, he'll be good. Well, the bears regret not drafting Stroud or Young. So at first I thought that maybe they would. And then just the, the, the plan a plan B that I kind of laid out. I think that takes them off the hook. Okay. Because I do, I do think that Caleb Williams could end up being a better prospect than both of them. Um, he, he's, he's certainly bigger, certainly stronger, certainly can move. Uh, I don't like that so many of his throws were like short screen passes last year. They got to let him air it out this year. But I think he's going to end up being the better prospect. He'll have a better grade than Stroud and Bryce Young. And so if he were in this draft, then maybe I'd say yes to your question, John. But because he's not in this draft, the Bears are putting themselves in position to make a move for him if things don't work out for Justin. Okay, Justin gets hurt after five games, or Justin just doesn't get it, and he, he just can't complete passes like the top NFL quarterbacks can do. Then, yeah, they've, they've got a plan B. And, and that's smart. There, there's a lot of teams that don't have a plan B. Ask Indianapolis what their plan B is right now. I don't know if they know what their plan <laughs> A is, much less their plan B. So it, it's good to be in this spot if you're Chicago and Ryan Poles has is, 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 is made, a, I, I think, a very cogent decision on what he should do moving forward. Because, like I said, if, if, if they got rid of Fields and they went with Stroud or they went with Bryce Young, well, that's only a plan A. And if those guys don't work out, everybody's fired. And the Bears are stuck right back where they were two years ago with no quarterback and, and no real hope for contending. And they can't have that. Where do you think Anthony Richardson falls amongst this quarterback class? <clears throat> I have not watched enough of Will Levis yet to know how I feel about Richardson and versus Levis. But I've watched enough of Richardson to know that he's behind Stroud and behind Bryce Young as far as readiness to start in the National Football League. Um, his footwork's terrible. It's been terrible since high school. I've, I, John, I've never done as much digging on a prospect as I did for Anthony Richardson. For example, did you know in high school he learned how to become a fireman? Really? That, wow. that, that, he went to a he went to a. <laughs> He played high school football in Gainesville at a, at a public school. I think it's called Eastside. Okay. But he went to a charter school for classes. And the charter school was meant for students to get a leg up on their vocation 
once they graduated. So the vocation he chose was to be a firefighter. You can read my prospect report on CBSports.com. There's a link to a picture of Anthony Richardson in a firefighter's outfit, hanging off the side of a, of a fire truck. So he's got his own plan B for his career. If he doesn't make it as a quarterback, he's going to be putting out fires in the northern Florida neighborhoods um, and helping people, you know, not burn to a crisp, I guess. But <laughs> But I, I can't believe we laughed at that. Um, I, I think that he does have potential to be just an absolute stat machine because okay. he's capable of running. Um, he's, he's got a stronger arm than Stroud and Young, but it's untamed. I don't think he's particularly great at reading defenses. His footwork is a mess. That's why he's inaccurate. So he needs time to do that. But if his footwork has been inaccurate since he was in high school, why hasn't it been fixed? That's one of the big problems I have with Anthony Richardson. If he if he had bad footwork in high school, no one could come along. You know, could he have gone the Bryce Young route and gotten his own private quarterback coach to help him? Why didn't that happen? Why didn't he go on YouTube like C.J. Stroud and get coached up there on how to have better footwork? It's it's strange to me. The other thing that bothers me about Anthony Richardson is he he was at, at Florida for three years. He threw one pass in one bowl game. The one year he was a starter at Florida, his team went six and six. He didn't play in their bowl game. In high school, he was a four-year starter on varsity. His team made the playoffs one year. They lost in the first round. The guy's not a winner. Now, compare that to Stroud and Young, and and, and these guys have accolades up the yin-yang, but Richardson doesn't, and that kind of bothers me too. And so if I'm if I'm looking to invest in a quarterback, I'm the owner of an NFL team. I want to have somebody that's got this track record of success. And he just doesn't have that. And that worries me a little bit on top of all the other issues that he's got. But if your facility catches on fire, John, he'll he'll know what to do. He'll get everybody out safely. So what makes him this top prospect? Why is he top five, top 10 in all these mock traps? It's because of the traits. Because just first of all, just look at his body and compare his body to C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. He's taller. He's much more built. Um, He's certainly faster than those guys. He's certainly more of an athlete than those guys. And there are NFL coaches who fall in love with that part of of, of, a, of a player. It doesn't necessarily have to be a quarterback, but think of it like, like if you're, if you're about to, you know, uh, paint something, all right, you want to paint something on the best canvas you can find or the canvas that you prefer. And you might think so highly of yourself as an artist that you don't care about the types of paints that you use or, or anything else, because you know, you're going to make the art look great, but you do care about the basics, the canvas, and so I think a lot of coaches say, well, just give me a quarterback that's big and strong and fast and I'll make them great. And, you know, that's sometimes that works out and sometimes it really doesn't work out. You know, Patrick Mahomes wasn't a perfect prospect. No, no one was really calling out the Bears for taking Mahomes, for taking Trubisky over Mahomes once upon a time. Uh, they might have been doing it for taking him over Watson, but not Mahomes because Mahomes, when he was at Texas Tech, didn't have great footwork and he needed time to come through and he got excellent coaching. And so that's a, that's a coach and Andy Reed, who's really good at painting on the canvas that he likes. 
and he knows that his art will sell. He just needs a really good canvas to get him started. And he got that. But I mean, <clears throat> the Bills took EJ Manuel, the Raiders took Jamarcus Russell, the Eagles took Carson Wentz, the Chargers took Ryan Leaf. I could go on. There's a lot of coaches in the NFL that think so highly of themselves. And then they get these prospects and they just absolutely cannot get through to them. They cannot make them better players. They cannot make them uh, break through on anything beyond their raw traits or intangibles. And that's when they get into trouble. And so what I'm hoping for for Anthony Richardson is that he gets drafted to a team that's got a really good coaching staff that's going to let him sit for a year. Let him take the Patrick Mahomes route. He needs it. Let these coaches figure out a way to get through to him so that his footwork improves, so that he understands how to read defenses. That improves so that his accuracy improves so that by 2024, he starts for a team and he's outstanding and he makes and he makes it life tough on the defenses that they play. There's two teams where I think that can happen for him. Unfortunately for Bears fans, one of them is in their division. It's Detroit. I love the coaching staff in Detroit. I think that that's a wonderful place for Anthony Richardson to land and not play this year. Let Jared Goff handle it this year, and then you turn to Anthony Richardson once he's been coached up by Mark Brunel and JT Barrett and all the other assistants they have there. The other place is Seattle. And Seattle doesn't quite have the same type of <clears throat> depth at coaching that uh, that Detroit has. But Pete Carroll's got a way to make his, his players good. And it wouldn't surprise me if Anthony Richardson, with a year of sitting behind Geno Smith, got himself in position to play well in 2024. But to me, those are those are winning situations compared to Indianapolis taking him and putting him on the field right away. Or Las Vegas, not that Las Vegas is going to do this now, John, because they got Jimmy Garoppolo, but Las Vegas could have drafted him and put him on the field right away. I just don't know if they've got the type of coaching staff that can help him uh, ascend quickly enough while he's playing on the job. Uh, I wouldn't rush it with him, and I suspect I'll feel the same way about Will Levis, too. Dave Richard still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Dave, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, how do I win my fantasy league this year? Okay, so it, it, it's almost the same story every year. Like the, the okay. basic tenets of fantasy football remain the same. Um, you draft good players. No, I, I mean, there's more to it than that, obviously, <laughs> John. But um, you, I, I think this year when you draft – you will see that receiver is really deep. I mean, there are some really great names at wide receiver that you will see fall to you in rounds four, five, six. I got DeAndre Hopkins, and we did a mock draft. We're sick at CBS Sports. We did a mock draft on Tuesday, and I got DeAndre Hopkins with the first pick in round three. Uh, I got David Montgomery with the last pick in round four, and Damian Pierce with the first pick in round five. Uh, I, I think we're going to look and see that it's a deeper year than normal, certainly across the, uh, certainly a wide receiver, probably a running back, probably a quarterback, not even close to tight end. It's not going to be deep there. But I, I think that uh, the first thing you can do this year, as far as winning your fantasy league, is don't put your foot on the gas at wide receiver, and that you might want to kind of slowly build your wide receiver group up, which means you're probably going to spend a, a, one of your first two or three picks on a running back. And I think that that makes sense. We're running out of running backs that are going to get more than 15 touches per game. Um, 
So you've got to fall back on running backs that might get 12 touches per game and have a shot to score. That's where David Montgomery is living now in Detroit. I don't expect him to go and be an absolute workhorse for the Lions, but I think you know he can pick up a lot of that role that Jamal Williams had last year when Williams led the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Now that could fall on David Montgomery's shoulders. And Dan Campbell apparently has loved David Montgomery for many, many years. There is some footage of him just absolutely going gaga over David Montgomery while he was with the Bears. Now he's with the Lions. That makes me encouraged to take David Montgomery, uh, like I said, with that round four pick. And he might end up going sooner than that by the time we get to August. The other thing I would I would tell you to do is you're going to look for a quarterback and, and try to get just a fair value. I'm using the word fair, not in terms of like, you know, you got to like get a great value on a quarterback. You got to steal one in your draft. Just wait, wait, wait for a quarterback and then take one in round 10. But you also don't want to take one early because that would not make it fair. If you've gone to you know, a flea market and you've negotiated with people over an item at the flea market, sometimes you want to just get a steal of a deal. And sometimes if it's something you really want, you'll be satisfied when it's a fair deal. And I think looking for a quarterback at a fair price in fantasy this year, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes in late round two, Jalen Hurts in late round two, early round three, Burrow or or Justin Fields in round four or five, those feel like fair deals to me. Now, if you're in a league where quarterbacks are going to go early and you're going to expect Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes to go in round one, if it's a one quarterback league, let it go. You're going to be able to find a fair value later on. But that should be your focus with quarterback this year. Fair value there. I would not go crazy on running backs this year. I would be a little more selective than normal on wide receivers. And tight ends, there's not going to be that many great tight ends to go around. You may want to consider Travis Kelsey with your first round pick. It will probably work out for you because it's worked out for people who are taking Kelsey like each of the last five or six years. He's been outstanding. Dave, before we finish up today, last question. What's the best fantasy draft you've ever had? The best fantasy draft I've ever had. <clears throat> okay, I don't know if I can name exactly which draft it was, but not every draft I'm in is with other fantasy analysts. And there are there are years where I'm playing in fantasy leagues for serious stakes with college buddies or, or or random strangers or coworkers in my office where I'm playing against, uh, you know, like secretaries and people who are, you know, the, they work for CBS, sales department or, or product development department. They're not doing what I'm doing. And I'll walk out of those drafts and I'll say, I crushed it. I got every player I wanted. I stole players from everybody. I'll feel great about it. You know where I finish in those leagues, John? Where? Like ninth place. <laughs> it never, it never fails. I'll walk out of those drafts where I'm playing against, you know, casuals. And I'll, it's not that necessarily that I blow it in the draft, but players get hurt. And I lose out on the waiver wire to other players that go to the casuals teams. And, uh, and there's, there's nothing I can do about it eventually. And then the casuals can win out. Uh, I tend to fare better in the leagues where I'm playing against people who think they know what they're doing and they almost outsmart themselves. Uh, every year I go to a fantasy draft. This, this might make people jealous. I draft at the hall of fame in Canton and I'm there with other fantasy analysts from all the other sites out there. And we do two drafts together. 
and uh, one's a draft and one's an auction and we have 14 of us in each league and very deep rosters and we take it very seriously and I walk out of those drafts every year thinking I got this in the bag and I'm competitive in those leagues and I make the playoffs a freaking amount of time last year first time I won the league playing against them but it's not that I'm playing against patsies I'm playing against guys like me who know what they're doing every step of the way. They've got a lot of the same information that I've got. Maybe not all the information that I've got, but a lot of the information and insight that I've got. And on top of that, they can see my rankings. My rankings are out there in public. You know, if, if you're drafting with me, you'll know exactly who I'm going to take when I'm up every single time because my rankings say so. <laughs> and uh, I just I find a way to to stay competitive in those leagues. But when I'm playing against secretaries and you know, sales department people, somehow I get folded in half. <laughs> well, Dave, thank you so much for joining me. So generous with your time. Great insight tonight on the Bears, NFL news, and everything in between. Um, looking forward to staying in touch and having you on again soon, hopefully around uh, NFL season. And always appreciate your time. We will get it done. And I know when I want the the latest skinny on the Bears – uh, to, to tune in to you, John, and to hear what you have to say. And I look forward to doing that as well. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in here tonight on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you again to Dave Richard for joining us. Remember, you can find us on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook at Sports Talk Chicago. Find me at John Z Sports. Find Dave Richard at Dave Richard over on Twitter as well. Support our great sponsor, Amish Country Farms, for the best Amish food in all of Chicagoland. Hit them up today in Orland Park. Tell them Sports Talk Chicago sent you. For John Meadows, directing and producing, I'm John Zaglul. We will see you on Sunday. So long, everybody.